You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. And bringing you today's podcast is Himalaya. As you know now, Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every single podcast you love or are searching for. Personally curated playlist made just for you by their expert podcast, Tastemakers. You can like and comment, listeners can like and comment on individual episodes, and you can find and download Himalaya on the App Store or Google Play Store. Don't forget to follow Lockdown Bucks once you're there. Today's episode is also brought to you by Grip6 Belts, ultra lightweight, no holes, no flap, and it's a great Father's Day gift, so go to Grip6 they have a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E. That's David Locke's last name. L-O-C-K-E, grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I have only been able to watch the last, like, two minutes of each of the first two finals games. Uh, okay. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not... Not slipping, kind of. I'm, I'm not able to really immerse myself in uh, in basketball after being so close with with my buck sure. in the East Finals. But slowly dipping the toe back in, and um, at least I'm mentally, uh, you know, as we podcast. Which is, I say this, and it's good because it'd be hard to podcast if I was not able to mentally engage with the idea of what the Bucks should do now and thinking about the Bucks in a more general sense wouldn't be good radio if I wasn't uh, able to think about that. Uh, but yeah, starting to uh, kind of grapple with, uh, as we were starting to do last week, starting to grapple with the off-season decisions the Bucks have to make, contemplating what this past uh, season kind of, what went right, what went wrong, uh, and what it means. And I think that sort of kind of leads us to, I guess, what we were hoping to discuss today, right? Yeah, uh, I had a... I had a surprise birthday party for two of my good friends from college in St. Louis this weekend. So I had a combined like 11, 12 hours of driving. So I ended up doing, you know, a lot of thought about, you know, what I saw this year, what, you know, I like wrote about at, at the athletic, what we've talked about and, you know, just kind of more generally what we saw. And then I started thinking about the off season and, um, so, you know, like I, I had a lot of thoughts go through my mind. And before we recorded this tonight, we kind of talked through some of the things that we're thinking about, you know, recording the next couple of weeks. We have the draft only three weeks away. Uh, we'll have Giannis's MVP on the, uh, what is that, the 24th, I think? Is that when the NBA Awards show is? I always forget. Um, so we'll have that coming up as well. So, yeah, it's on June 24th. Um 
So that's three, yeah, three weeks from today. Yeah. Twenty-one days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, or I guess by the time this will go up on Tuesday, but we're recording on Monday night. So three weeks from today, uh, that'll be when Giannis gets his MVP. I don't know if he'll get a defensive player of the year. Um, so we have that coming up. We'll have the draft a little bit. Uh, I think the week before that, that's uh, I think the 20th, maybe I'm trying to think of all the dates and how it all works together, but there will be things to talk about then and the off season think about in free agency starting on the, on June 30th. But I, I kind of wanted to think about like, so uh, obviously I, I've done, you know, a bunch of radio hits since the season ended. And, you know, I've talked to people about, the season and you know i was kind of thinking through just like the general idea of what all of this like means and you know what we've learned this year and i guess kind of what we saw and i I guess i guess the, the way i'll frame it is kind of what do you feel like you learned about either you know this team or this roster this coaching staff but i think let's start at like the very top of things and i guess just like what do you feel like you learned about this organization i think there was you know some thought obviously after like the horse hiring that it could all be like a big mess and you know then like the boonholzer stuff is like I think pretty uh, drama free, but you know, Bud gets hired. So I, I'm just curious, like from a top level, like what do you feel like you learned about this organization this year? If, if you learned anything, I mean, I think we've seen room for optimism. I mean, then you can say that I got crossed pretty much all fronts, but I think uh, certainly the decision-making um, through you know, much of last summer running all the way through the season, I think they um, had a really nice combination of, uh, value shopping in the summer, particularly Brooke Lopez, obviously that was the main one, but um, you know, we've obviously talked a lot about the Ursan signing. I mean, I think the Ursan signing for what it was, I think has probably worked out as, as well as probably could have been expected. You know, I mean um, him being able to actually hold down a rotation spot, he didn't get crushed in the playoffs. And obviously Brooke is the greatest free agent signing in Bucks history in terms of value. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so between that and then, no, but you can go down the list. I mean, Pat Connaughton, right? I mean, Pat Connaughton yep. was kind of like, okay, interesting flyer, you know, like guy played 82 games last year for a playoff team in, in Portland, um, has hit threes, has athleticism, um, but obviously kind of fit in after really not, you know, maybe didn't get opportunities early in the season and then had a shooting slump kind of midway through. But, um, you know, I think you got as much as you ever could have hoped for from Pat Connaughton and um, you know, knowing that you've got another year of him basically for the minimum or close to it is obviously something to feel good about. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, we talked about the Miritich uh, trade, which obviously, you know, ultimately didn't pay off. Right. I mean, it was a that was a win now move if there ever was one. Um, I think it was a, a good calculated risk in the grand scheme of things. And when you think about like how close they were and, you know, he's a hot and cold guy. And if he had been hot in that in that East finals they could still be playing. Right. So um, I think from a result standpoint, obviously very disappointing from a process standpoint, I, I still don't really have a problem with it. And the fact that you set that up with multiple moves, kind of taking advantage of trade exceptions, taking advantage of the Washington wizards repeatedly needing to get out of salary cap. Um, and of course then, you know, the, 
probably the biggest move in terms of total dollars being moved around the George Hill, Della Vadova, John Henson trade, which ended up being, I think, uh, a great trade, certainly for this season. Uh, and one that, um, you know, in terms of flexibility for this summer, having money to spend, uh, I think will obviously prove very valuable as well. We'll see where, you know, the, the lottery protect pick ends up, but um, you kind of just go top to bottom. And I mean, they, they got good value, whether it was free agent signings, for the most part, whether it was these kind of marginal trades on the edges, which were kind of like, you know, trades for second rounders using trade exceptions that, you know, like only people like us get excited about. Um, <laughs> they kind of just, you know, from kind of just repeatedly over and over again, you kind of just felt like, wow, yeah, when the Bucks make a move, you're expecting them to actually like be smart and make get good value and, um, you know, not be the team that's getting taken advantage of. So, um, so obviously that's, that's a hugely beneficial thing that, you know, again, I think, um, you know, after John Hurst's first, first year, I don't think we knew if, if that was something that we could be confident in. Right. I mean, um, I think we were much more positive on the Bledsoe trade than a lot of people. Um, but you know, between kind of like a lot of what happened in that first year and the fact that you had a roster, which, you know, a lot of people, I think, understandably were like, well, if this is kind of what you're locking yourself into, like how far can you really go? Like, are you, are you giving Giannis enough um, to, to really compete at a high level with? And, you know, I think certainly that's, that's one of the, you know, the the huge benefits of, of how well they not only performed last year, but how well the front office acquitted itself over the past year was that they took kind of a, a good base of talent, not maybe an elite base of talent outside of Giannis for, for sure. Um, but they added to that and complemented around it. And obviously, um, you know, I, I haven't mentioned the Budenholes are higher, but, you know, for, for whatever he lacked um, in the East Finals, I mean, clearly that was a hire that, you know, paid off in spades for the Bucks this year. Just, you know, looking at how um, Bud turned around this team in so many respects and, and turned them from, you know, kind of an underachieving team that we were concerned, like, well, maybe they just aren't going to be good enough to, uh, a team that competed to the end at, at a level that I think, you know, I mean, especially as I, you know, watch at least a little bit of the finals. Um, I don't see anything that makes me feel like the Bucks couldn't have competed for a championship, which is disappointing to say because they're not right now. Um, but also, you know, something that is very, very important to acknowledge to, you know, if obviously if you didn't feel that way, you'd probably feel very differently about, what they need to do this summer than, than the way I feel, which is that I think, you know, from the front office through the coaching staff to what we saw on the court from the players, I think I saw enough to feel like, yeah, like this group is good enough. And, you know, we'll see what happens this summer with, with various guys, likely, you know, big names moving around. But um, I think we saw enough to feel like, you know, from, from the top on down that, that this team can, can compete um, at the highest level. Now, you know, you have to do it year in and year out, but at least this year and hopefully next year, I think the, the roadmap is there to, uh, to compete for championships, which is, you know, in a macro sense, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it is kind of interesting to think about, like, the organization as a whole. And, you know, I think there's just so many questions about it. And again, like, you know, some of those questions might be raised again this summer. They're going to change the the governor's seat. Like we'll see Mark Lazary take that over uh, from Wes Edens. Wes Edens had the first five years of the franchise, and now uh, Mark Lazary will have the next five. And 
you know, like I remember recording podcasts last summer thinking about like, oh man, like what's going to happen when that, when that goes, like maybe the coaching hire doesn't work out. And he says, all right, one year we're, you're not my coach. I want my own coach or something like that. And, you know, like after watching what, what Bud did this year, you'd be crazy, right? Like it would be crazy to think like, oh, I want my own coach. Well, you shouldn't want your own coach because this coach is, is really good and he's done a lot of really good things. And I, I just think like down the line and it's the same, it's kind of the same thing about John Horace too, right? Like, oh, it, can he actually do the job? Does he know what he's doing? Um, you know, we didn't love the process behind like him getting hired. Uh, so, you know, now, you know, I, I know their thing was trust results or whatever, but yeah, well, like they, they did have results and now like the process behind the moves that John Horse was making, I think were ultimately good, right? Like, it, as you said, the results on the Mirtich trade weren't exactly what you wanted, but again, it looked like the process to getting to that decision and to trying to figure out that, you know, you wanted to try to make these moves or push all in, like the process behind those things, I think was, was likely right again. Right. So um, for me, I, I just think, I don't want to say it's, it's a 180 cause I don't know if it was quite that dire last summer, but there were certainly questions and, I do think what they've been able to do this year does does an, I think answer some of them for now and things can change quickly. This is the NBA and, and those things always do. But, you know, from an organization standpoint, I think you really have to look at that and see a lot of positives. And then, you know, I don't think any of us knew how, how the, and again, I know this is only like quasi organizational, but like, you know, how the deer district would go and, you know, how everything like that would look. And, you know, if there was a big playoff series, if, if Milwaukee could show up and, and make it look good and, you know, if the fans would respond and the bandwagoners would join up. And, you know, I thought you saw an outpouring for support, uh, an outpouring of support for this team, unlike anything I can remember seeing. And again, I was, you know, I was 10 years old and, in 2001. So I don't remember it, you know, maybe as vividly as you do, but you know, I get, I, there just felt like just being in the city and obviously you can't speak to this, but being in the city, there's more buck stuff than I ever remember. And I'm not talking about the bucks putting up a fear of the deer logo at, you know, local place. I'm talking about just people wearing jerseys and, you know, people being excited about the bucks. So I think from, like I said, from an organizational standpoint, you're at a spot where it seems pretty healthy, seems pretty good at, at the moment. And that's a, that's a big change. That isn't something we've always been able to say about this organization in, I mean, even in just the time we've done this podcast, we haven't been able to say that, let alone, uh, you know, the time that we've spent following this team throughout our lives. So uh, to me, that's, that's kind of what I think we learned about the organization is that it can handle bigger and better things and, and might be up and, and ready to do bigger and better things, which I'm not sure we would have said before the, before the start of this season. Yeah. I mean, I think stuff like organizational decision-making front office stuff, I mean, still obviously fairly black box ish. I mean, 
yep. the Bucks are not unique in this respect. Just by definition, like if if they were super transparent, then that would probably not be a good thing for the Bucks. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, you know, I will, um, I, I will hope for kind of continued success on that front. Um, I think I, I do worry a bit that um, you know what happened two years ago. Like everybody suddenly can use kind of what's happened, use the results to kind of paper over like a messy process. Um, And I would not want, you know, like Wes Eden's feeling like he is just this brilliant uh, tactician (laughs) who saw what no one else could see or whatever. Like I'd be like, "Eh, maybe, you know, slow your roll a little bit on that. Um, But, you know, I think in general, uh, you obviously, all you can do, I mean, at the time we said, you know, we, we hope John Horst can, hire a good staff and, you know, do well in his role. And um, certainly first year might have taken, you know, a little bit of time to kind of get there. Um, you know, firing Jason Kidd obviously uh, kind of was the probably the biggest first necessary step to kind of getting where they are today. But, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously at this point, you know, um, you, you, now it's just a matter of consistency. And I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think, I think we know, I think the good news is, I mean, culturally I think there's a lot of like really strong culture evident in on the team side with what kind of the way bud runs his program and all that I really don't know I I honestly can't say I know a lot about sort of how that pushes up into kind of the front office I mean I you know there really there's not a lot of you don't really I mean again this is sort of partly by um by design but you know it's kind of again kind of a black box and um, you know, I don't, I don't think John Horst needs to be kind of running around, um, trying to, you know, make a name for himself or, uh, you know, try to, try to make himself sound smart all the time by doing tons of media stuff. Like, I think it's good to just sort of be kind of low key and focus on kind of the behind the scenes stuff. Cause that's by definition what, what the GM job is. Um, but, uh, but we'll see, you know, I mean, I think again, like, you know, um, you hear references to trying to be sort of the, the, Eastern conference version of what the Spurs built in San Antonio, which obviously makes sense given, Bud is, is from that organization. That's where he grew up. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's do that. Giannis is our Tim Duncan. Sign me up. (laughs) Like, um, I'm more than happy if that's, if that's the, the mold that, that the bucks are going to go for. Um, great. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll just, we'll just have to see, but, but certainly, um, you know, difficult to take away from this season. You know, if, as you're looking at front office or coaching, you know, with the exception of obviously that last round of the playoffs um, where, you know, I think I, I'm not being, I don't think hyperbolic or reactionary to say that that Bud got out coached by, by Nick Nurse. Um, you know, with the exception of that, this was obviously a kind of a home run season, I think for the Bucks um, in terms of, you know, what the front office did and, and what the coaching staff did and kind of how all that, um, kind of worked in tandem to put them in the position to uh, to succeed on the court and win more games than anybody else in the league, right? So um, obviously you don't you don't do that by you know having to overcome bad coaching and bad front office. Typically, typically it generally means that a lot of things have gone right, and, and certainly that's just something you hope hope continues. But again, you know you don't become San Antonio in in one season, right? You become that by doing it year after year after year and, and building kind of the the programmatic stability and and you know culture that you know everybody likes to talk about but ultimately you just have to do it and then you you kind of see it or you don't 
But so there's a little bit more I want to talk about with Bud, but before we do that, a reminder today's episode brought to you by hotels.com. Today's show is brought to you in part by hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own home. Book your own with hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Also brought to you by Untuck It. Thanks to Untuck It for sponsoring Lockdown. If you are looking for a great Father's Day idea, their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com. Promo code NBA to get 20% off. Again, that's untuckit.com. Promo code NBA to get 20% off. And so we'll continue to you know to think about like what we learned this year. And I want to move it on to Bud. And I, I would guess tonight, you know, maybe we won't end up getting to the players and, you know, going through player by player on that. But I think with Bud in that, in that regard, I'm curious I don't. I don't disagree with you that Bud got outcoached by Nick Nurse, but I am curious to the extent with which you believe he got outcoached, and maybe possibly how he got outcoached. Because the one thing that you know we we questioned going into this season was you know the critique of Bud not being able to make adjustments. How real is it? Can he come back to crush the Bucks? Like, will they really get killed in that regard? And you know, I, I thought even even in the Eastern Conference Finals, Bud adjusted. Like, th- there was to me, I, I didn't think there was being too stuck in his own ways. Like, there were there were very clear adjustments mm-hmm. in that series. Yep. Like, the, they made adjustments now. They didn't work, obviously, in the final four games. Like they didn't find one that actually worked. And, you know, I think we we could definitely I think both of us would be willing to argue that, you know, Giannis could have played more. Uh that would have been an adjustment that we would have done. Uh, you know, I think we would have done, you know, slightly more to uh be a little bit more creative with Giannis offensively, move him around a little bit. I think maybe I don't know. I still don't know that I really felt like defending Kawhi was a problem. Um, but, you know, maybe we would have put Giannis on him for a little bit more than Bud did. Um, but I, I thought, it, or at least it felt like to me, you know, watching and covering that series that, like, I don't want to say you can, you know, put it to bed because there was the, there was still the struggle to find an adjustment that actually worked in that series. But it does feel like in some ways you can kind of put to bed the notion or, or maybe this is just something that Bud has learned as he's grown as a coach now that there, there will be adjustments if something is going wrong in the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, the list of, you know, things that went wrong that if they go right, swing that series to putting the bucks in the finals is, is really long. And it, you know, there's a long list of things that have nothing to do with, with coaching really. Right. Um, yeah. You know, Giannis, like, as you said, like, could they have put Giannis in better positions? I hope so. Um, but, you know, like, by the same token, it's like, you know, like, okay, I wish they would have tried to exploit the double teams more, right? I wish they could have figured out how to better leverage that. But fundamentally, they also just like, I don't know, like, 
some of that's just probably because Giannis needs to get better as a passer, right? <laughs> or Giannis needs to be able to, you know, operate from more places on the floor other than the block. And again, not that he's like only a post-up guy or some something like that, because clearly he's not. Um, but, you know, Eric Bledsoe just like becoming like a shell of himself in the playoffs or, well, yeah. especially in that series, right? I mean, he had... Yeah. He was basically a 50-50 trash and pretty good versus the Celtics. He was very good against the Pistons. And then, you know, just couldn't shoot and was afraid to do much. Had, you know, really, like, what, maybe one one good game, maybe one one good scoring game for sure um, against the Raptors. Um, you know, again, like, is that Bud's fault? I don't think so. Right? I mean, I think at this point, you know, Eric Bledsoe is the main reason to complain about Eric Bledsoe. Um you know, and, and we did see obviously adjustments, whether it was Malcolm moving into the starting five, whether it was, you know, benching Miritich entirely, uh, whether it was staggering Bledsoe and Giannis more so that you didn't have kind of the issue of, of two non-shooters that you could help off of. Um, you know, we saw, what was it, was it game four or five? They, were, they started switching a ton, perhaps yeah. not necessary, not, not needed. Um, yes. But yeah, there was a lot of like things that he sort of tried as a, as a series went on. So I think that the, argument of well he just never changes what he does I, I agree i don't think that's um that's a valid one i would have liked to see brooke lopez kind of be more like involved in a direct sense like using his size whether it's in the post or whatever um you know and that was something that we saw a little bit more later in the series you know game game six brooke was really big um kind of ironic given how much of a bystander he was in the boston series that you know he became really valuable against uh against the raptors kind of goes to show you what how difficult it is to kind of, you know, predict how big, well, not predict, because I think there are obviously reasons why he was better against the Raptors than against the Celtics. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a ton of things, you know, that, that again, uh, you know, I think fundamentally like Nick Nurse made adjustments that fundamentally worked. And, you know, you can say, well, some of that's just because the Bucks just couldn't make shots. Like Nicola Merich just couldn't hit a shot, you know, Fred yep. Van Bleet hit all the shots, right? Like, those specific things are not necessarily like Nick Nurse just coaching up Fred Van Bleet to not miss shots anymore. Um, but I'll say this: I don't think coaching was like, you know, ch- helping the Bucks necessarily kind of overcome those issues. And again, not that you can expect the coach to go out and make shots for players or anything like that. But um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, like you know, when you lose four straight games against a team that you had a better record than that you beat three out of four times, obviously everybody's got to have a hand in that. And, you know, Bud wasn't responsible for Giannis missing dunks and layups in game five, but, you know, fundamentally over the course of a, you know, what was a six game series, um, you know, like coaching is, is definitely important, especially in the playoffs where, you know, those game to game adjustments really matter. And, uh, you know, seeing a team over and over and over again, I think opens up more opportunities for coaching to matter. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. And, um, I'm with Bud, I guess, in the bigger picture of things. Do you think you you learned any more about like where you saw him in, uh, I guess, the, the greater ranking of coaches? Like, do, do you I think when he was initially hired, you know, we had talked about, OK, maybe he's not one of the one of the five best coaches in the league, but. You know, he's probably in that like 10 to 
or that, eh, I don't even know, like five, five to 15 range. And then, you know, there's probably a, a bottom half of the, of the league that's just kind of in the blob of coaches that don't really differentiate themselves. Do you feel like this year made it, made you feel like he's, he, he can differentiate himself in some way that, you know, either as like a program builder, he's, he's elite or, um, you know, putting in systems, uh, getting, getting, getting the most out of that. Like, do you feel like in any way he differentiated, differentiated himself from whatever you thought of him before? I think for sure. I mean, we had never seen him build a program and a success exactly the way he did it here. Right. So I think the, and yeah. you know, he had one year where he had a good offense in Atlanta when they won 60 games. Um, so that was kind of one of those things I know we talked about, which was, well, offense, I think we both would agree is, you know, more about like, do you have the top end talent? Whereas defense is more of like where coaches can kind of just more coach, coach up and, and have more room to kind of make the best of whatever they have. And I think for him to kind of leverage Giannis and the rest of the talent on this roster to um, be an elite offense um, in a way that, you know, I think was very forward looking and, you know, it's not like he just rinsed and repeated what he did in Atlanta, right? Like they had to, I think, consciously um, adapt not only um, their style, and this goes for both offense and defense, right? Because I think the defense, especially with Brooke Lopez being having that conservative drop scheme, um, you know, again, it kind of harkens back to maybe a lot of stuff that, you know, Pop has done in San Antonio. Um, but I think certainly like the way that, that I think they not only coaches adapted the roster, but they, you know, the front office also adapted the roster to fit what they wanted to do. Um, I think there's a lot of credit to go around. And, um, I think at this point, you know, if you look at it holistically, um, you know, how many coaches would you take over bud, right? Like if you're a Bucks fan and you kind of put aside like your frustration with losing to the Raptors and you really kind of step back, like how many coaches, and, and let's just let's just look at it from like a one-year perspective, right? Like how many coaches would you really want to swap out for Bud next year? And granted, obviously, like, you know, once you build something, it's always like cost of, of trying to switch people out. So it's maybe a little unfair question. Um, but I mean, probably only a handful, I'm guessing, you know? Um, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's obviously sort of like the, the very, very top end, like kind of well-known guys, um, but, you know, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of going off the top of my head, but, um, you know, like is, is Bud, you know, he may not be considered a better coach than like somebody like, you know, Pop or Stevens, although Stevens, I think his reputation wasn't exactly helped, especially from a kind of culture and, you know, locker room perspective by what happened in Boston this year. But, um, you know, somebody like that, I mean, Carlisle, um, I mean, Doc Rivers, I think, is probably a guy who suddenly has a lot more respect than maybe he did a year ago. Um, who I'm, I know I'm missing uh, uh, Spolstra, uh, Quinn so Snyder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there's like kind of guys like that, but it's like, is Bud in the conversation with those guys? Like, I mean, he's going to be the coach of the year, and his team just won more games than anybody, despite nobody looking at them and saying that was going to be the best team in the league. Right. So yeah. it's not like he's just doing this with the with the, 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 the Warriors roster. And obviously you could throw Steve Kerr in there as well. And, and maybe Nick nurse at this point. Right. I was just, um, I was just going to say Nick nurse. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
you know, uh, I mean, Terry Stotts, obviously you can, can make arguments for, I mean, there are a lot of really good coaches. Um, I think, you know, is Bud at least, is he at least top 10? Yeah. I'd say he's at least top 10. Can you make a case for him that he is top five? Maybe. Um, I, I mean, again, I mean, he's, he's going to, he's in the hill now have one coach of the year in two different cities. Um, I don't know how many coaches have won 60 games with two different franchises, much less, two teams that nobody expected to win 60 games. Right. Um, I think it's three coaches all time. I can't remember who yeah. the other ones were. So I mean, obviously part of that is because great coaches obviously sometimes just tend to, st- I mean, pop obviously could have won 60 games in multiple places, you know, Kerr's yeah. only coached in one place. Um, so, you know, kind of maybe a little bit of a, a bias there just from a sampling perspective, but um, you know, I mean, <laughs> He had a it's great still, season. He had a great still season. Speaks to how good it was. Yeah, I yeah. Agree. And and I mean, it's it's just really easy because I think so much of what they did was logical, and it, it's like easy to sort of like <laughs> it's easy yeah. to sort of like explain. But yes. like we shouldn't. I mean, and maybe living. I mean, and I guess living with the Jason Kidd era. Like, I guess you could say like, well, everybody's going to look better <laughs> after after Jason sure. Kidd. But also, you know, uh, again, like going from you know, where they were to where they, you know, what happened this year. I mean, that's not like, just like, Oh, come in and just say a bunch of obvious shit. And like, you're automatically going to win 60 games. Like that. I don't think it's that either. I think that's definitely oversimplifying. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, they're kind of a lot of different ways to think about it, but I think certainly the success on the court this year. Um, and, and also just like how, you know, the point differential we talked about a lot, you know, this was not a, lucky 60 win season right like they they earn this and we'll see what they do next year um but they put themselves in the conversation i think they were again they were good enough by what they were able to do on both ends and so much of it was you know as much as it depended on having a super 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 superstar um the coaching approach obviously i think largely maximized what what that guy could do on both ends and um you know, like, you know, it's like, okay, the defense should have been better. The offense should have been better. I mean, okay, maybe, yeah, you can, you you can get better, but, um, you know, it's not like there's a lot of low hanging fruit here with this team. So um, the fact that we have to kind of really dig into X's and O's and think really critically to try to figure out how you improve or, or whatever. I mean, that's, that's probably the best compliment you can pay a coach, you know, when it's hard to really kind of come up with more than sort of, you know, nitpicky things, um, especially in a kind of macro sense, obviously, you know, whatever we talked a bit about the playoff stuff. And, and I mean, like you said, um, I mean, when, so like, I, I do agree that, you know, there was a bunch of things that, you know, maybe we could have thought about logically and been like, Oh, well, two more threes. (laughs) Like, like all, like that is, those are things that we've said in the past, but I mean, you do have to implement it. Mm -hmm. And, and you do have to have some level of buy-in from your players. And, and you do have to get it in their brains in a way that makes sense to them. You, you have to implement it in a simplistic enough way that they can actually understand it. And like you don't always see a coach come hit the ground running with, with huge changes. Like I guess think about... I mean, I was just kind of thinking about the, obviously since the Bucks had played the Raptors, like, okay, so Nick Nurse comes in and, you know, they win a bunch more games. And I think a lot of people could say Kawhi is a large part of it, but, you know, like they changed the offense last year, right? Yeah. And there were, there were some bumps along the way. 
they, they were trying to figure all of that out. And, you know, the Bucks did have some bumps along the way. Like, you know, Middleton wanted some more mid-rangers, and they, they had to kind of figure out some of those things. But for the most part, they, there weren't a ton of bumps. It's a totally different offense. It's a totally different defense. And this team just hit the ground running. And and that's not that's not necessarily normal, right? So I, I do think that there does have to be a level of, you know, a level of talent uh, ascribed to whoever did that. Like you, you can't just say like, oh yeah, well that was logical. Like this is this was the way you were going to win basketball games. I, I think, especially defensively, it flew in the face of how I think we thought you could win basketball games, right? Like they did something totally different and. It worked, and you know maybe there will be, uh, you know, God forbid, some of the Jason Kidd, Sean Sweeney kind of stuff where, after a year, the league figures it out. Um, that seems unlikely because of how little they give up at the rim, but you don't know that. But you know, after year one, I think you have to say it, it was kind of an overwhelming success, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you that you know I think in this time, Bud kind of pushed himself up into uh, a higher echelon of coaches and uh, I think needs to be kind of viewed that way uh, going forward because of the job that he did this year. So, so we'll kind of see, I think maybe uh, tomorrow we could, we could do some, you know, what do we learn about some players or something like that? Um, but I think that's going to be it for us for tonight. Well, one, one, I guess the only thing I'd want to add there too, I mean, like we, we obviously talked a lot about last summer, like, do you have, you know, given the way the league was evolving and the way the Bucks roster kind of fit together, like, do you, is there, is there really a, does it make sense to do something other than go to a really switch heavy type defense? And I would just draw, I would try to draw a clear distinction though, because, you know, the important thing that Bud did was they picked, they decided to take away something, right? Um, yep. You know, and, and what Jason Kidd failed to do was realize that you can't just magically take away everything. Right. And that's obviously kind of the, an oft repeated, um, critique of kid was that you know they tried to build the perfect defense and in the process built you know a defense that couldn't really do anything well particularly other than the first turnovers pretty well but um you know they just ended up you know because it wasn't they, it was so hard to do it perfectly they ended up really not taking away anything too many shots the rim too lots you know they threes actually went down a lot which you know, we don't talk about as much but they actually kind of took a lot of that away although it still was biased towards kind of you know, corner threes and, and easier threes. Um, but, you know, I think the idea of taking away the paint, taking away the rim, I mean, there was still a lot of, I think, logic behind that, especially once they signed Lopez, right? And we talked a fair bit about how, um, you know, when Brooke came, that what were the things that, that always happened when Brooke Lopez was on the court? Teams stopped shooting at the rim, teams started shooting mid-rangers, and his teams always rebounded well, right? We knew going into last season that the whole Brooke Lopez doesn't rebound thing was you know, like a stupid myth, right? That, you know, even though he doesn't rebound that, that his team does well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I, I think, I think we also kind of saw the argument, like why, you know, yeah, especially if you just got Brooke Lopez, you're not going to just go to like a switch everything defense right away. Um, but for sure, um, you know, what they did worked great. And, you know, especially with, with Giannis and, and the way that he leveraged Giannis sort of as, you know, and actually not that different from what they did under the kid kind of era where, you know, they didn't just try to use Giannis as a stopper. Um, they let yeah. Giannis kind of roam and, um, and kind of help all over the place. And, and I think that was, they, they kind of took the best parts, you know, like the, maybe the, the best thing that, that Jason Kidd did, which was kind of put Giannis in that free safety role or, 
middle linebacker role or whatever we're going to metaphorically refer to it as from a football standpoint. Um, that was probably one thing that, that was smart from, from the kid days. And, and then they obviously just took that to a whole new level by, by building like a, a kind of coherent system around him. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of one of those things like, you know, go left or go right. Don't just, you know, dither between the two. Um, and, and obviously, you know, that, that served them well. And, you know, ultimately they went to switching at times. They did some switching in the Celtics series, I think helped them. I think that switching probably was not really the issue when they went to that, uh, or it was not the, the solution that they needed when they went to it, ironically, in the East finals. But again, you know, we can, at this point, we could point to a lot of different things, unfortunately, that, you know, swings one way or the other and the Bucks win that series. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think certainly for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm still extremely thankful the Bucks ended up with, with Mike Budenholzer and, you know, Hey, um, Nick nurse has done a really nice job in Toronto, but you know, I think if you're, if you're a Bucks fan, yeah, you can feel pretty good. So, Hey, look at that. Bucks fans. You can feel pretty good still. Uh, pretty good still. Yeah. All right. Great. I'm with it. Uh, that, that, uh, that sounds good to me. Uh, a big shout out to all of our, uh, partners for today. Hotels.com. You can head over there. Uh, untuck it, use the promo code NBA to get 20% off grip six belts, go to grip six.com slash lock, uh, for a special offer for you there. And of course, Himalaya, you can find Himalaya and download download Himalaya on the app store or Google play store. And don't forget to follow lockdown bucks. Once you're there, obviously you can do all of the, the personally curated playlists that are made just for you by their expert podcast tastemakers. You can kind of put that app together so it's exactly what you want every single day and of course you can find lockdown bucks there every day as well so for frank man i'm eric name this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to all of you guys tomorrow